This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum, hello Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. We are about to step into the dark world of crime fiction writing with best-selling author Jessica Yalvi. Her amazing story from mum to award-winning author is proof that anything is possible. If you've ever thought, well, I might have a book in me, well... This might just be the show for you. You can get in touch with us here with your questions for Jessica. Share your experiences as well of uh, how maybe you want to write a book. Maybe you've written something and you're wondering how to get it published. She could be your woman. 4215 on, on the text lines or you can get in touch on Instagram. We are at Pulse95 Radio. Keep it here on Live Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Author of psychological thrillers When I Wake Up and What Did I Do, Jessica Alvery was born and grew up in a small Swedish town prior to her international career living and working in the UK, the US and the UAE. Jessica's always had a love for the written word and after years of writing, she got her big break when she submitted her manuscript to the prestigious Montegrappa First Fiction Competition. After being named one of the winners, she went on to sign a book deal with Aria and Head of Zeus. Welcome to Life Beats, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. So good to have you. Now, um, tell us about becoming a published best-selling author. It's not just that you're published, that's one thing. But to actually sell books, you know, that's amazing. Was this always your dream to become a published author? Absolutely. I think when I was uh, little, I was constantly, constantly reading. And you get to a point where you would like to create something yourself. So, yes, I, was, I would always write um, little stories. You know, they were quite dark and, you know, uh, deep at the time. And, uh, and as I grew older, I think you get sidetracked by, by life. You know, you have to make a living and... And you don't necessarily choose being an author to live off that. So I also um, worked as a journalist, as an editor. I worked in marketing and PR. I was teaching at university. But I was always writing. I think if you're writing, you feel really agitated when you don't write. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I was always, always writing. And, and I was pitching and, and wishing that somebody would believe in my story. And every rejection, actually, <laughs> I try to think of as wow, somebody actually took the time to read my work. That's really good, <laughs> you know? And that kind of kept me going. That is so interesting because this is what writing is known for, the rejections. I know. And it can be really hard. That first rejection is really hard. But I tell you, when I sent my first book out, I didn't really expect anybody to pick it up. Uh, but one publisher, she wrote a really long letter to me. Uh, it was in the those, th- those days when you still wrote letters. Um, so like, I don't know, 15 years ago. And, um, and she was really encouraging and, and told me the things that she really liked about my writing um, and what didn't work. And I was so encouraged by this that it kind of kept me going. And I'm still in touch with this publisher. She read my second book and she loved it. She said, don't change it, but I don't know how to sell it. Mm. So um, that was obviously a bit frustrating. Um, that you also have to suddenly start thinking of it as being commercial. But that's what I've had to learn, that publishing is a business 
and nobody's going to publish it just because you know you're nice and your writing is nice but because they want to sell books you are of course from sweden yes and sweden uh, is part of you know that whole uh, genre of scandy crime fiction yes did you kind of grow up reading that was that an inspiration for you where does that inspiration come from for crime fiction yes that's interesting because i haven't really um grown up reading that uh i mean i've read like all genres really and i i still read uh, everything that i come across but i think it's more that you live in that atmosphere in that environment it is very dark especially in winter from three o'clock in the afternoon it's dark outside and it is cold and you're inside and you're kind of cooped up and and you've got to find a way to entertain yourself so you read dark stories but you also I think when you create stories they tend to be in that environment because mm. that's how I grew up yeah what is it that you love so much about crime fiction you we have to say you're a mom of four that's correct right <laughs> yeah so apart from somebody who's had an international career um, you know in PR and and you're also a mom so uh, yes. your eldest is now 15 correct um, your youngest is just 11 11 months old. Yes. So sweet. So amazing. That's an incredible journey in and of itself. It is. So how do you go from that to crime fiction or do they just complement each other really? Uh, Maybe they do actually. I think so. The funny thing is I'm I'm such a positive person. My kids think I'm annoyingly positive. And so people always assume that I write romance or chiclet. And when they find out that I write these dark stories, I think they're quite surprised. But I think every person, you know, you have all these different um, aspects to yourself. And I guess that the stuff that's deep and dark inside of me that wants to deal with certain issues, I deal with that in my books. I guess that's, we yeah, all, they complement each other, I think. Because we all need an outlet, don't we? Absolutely, yes. We all have yes. that thing inside us that kind of wants to explore those kind of concepts and taboos of of crime fiction yes that are just you know deliciously kind of intriguing obviously you don't want to do it in real life so you do it through books exactly and I think that you know that I'd like to think that we're all really good people deep down (laughs) so I think that we are fascinated by darkness I think that's why these types of books are popular Mm. and so for you growing up you said you read a lot Mm. what did you love to read growing up People ask me that all the time, and it's very difficult um, because, you know, you have people who love, you know, Agatha Christie. But I would probably read Agatha Christie, but I would then also read, you know, Famous Five or, you know, um, you know Swedish authors like Astrid Lindgren, you know, um, really anything. Mm. I would really literally go in and just pick off the book off a shelf. And, it was a big thing And just you. read it. Yeah, I would just really wanted to try and read as, as widely as possible. And now, you know, th- th- how many how many rejections did you get? Oh gosh, as- I stopped counting. <laughs> I've heard of people who who kind of put them up as wallpaper in their bathroom, but no, that's never really inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> but it just kept you going because you're thinking, I'm going to get it. I'm going to exactly perfect it, and you just kept working and working on it. Yes, a friend of mine once said to me that every no that you get, you're one step closer to a yes. Mm. And I think he was so right in saying that. But also, you know, once I, I started working in my writing, obviously my rejections got a bit nicer that people would actually not just say thank you, but no thank you. But they would perhaps say, you know, that I do like this, but it's not quite for us because. And, and things like that really inspires you and encourages you to keep going as well. So but for you, that was the the big turning point. The writing competition, entering yes. a writing competition, putting your book forward yes. and just... That was a deal breaker. Uh, tell us about that. What was the process like? And were you just completely nervous and thinking, I'm not going to get anywhere? Or did you think, I can win this? 
Um, actually, I, I did visualize being up on that stage many times because at that point I had written three books in Swedish. Um, and they'd, some of them had been really close to getting a deal, but just didn't go all the way. And my husband said to me, why don't you write in English? Because I want to be able to read what you write. He doesn't speak Swedish. So I thought, yeah, well, why don't I do that? Um, I've been living and working abroad most of my life and always working in English. So I started writing this book uh, and then the competition came up. I submitted, but I did work on that submission a lot. I didn't just kind of put it together and send it off. I did rewrite those first chapters many times. I started the story from different angles and, and to see what would actually have the greatest impact. Because when you, especially in a competition or even with a publisher or an agent, you need that first page to count. You need to immediately pull the reader in and they need to feel like I want to keep reading. I want to ask you when we come back about those first few lines. Yes. Because exactly, it's those first few lines that will keep your reader in there, grab them and just take them to the rest of the book or uh, it may end up losing interest. And I want to ask you what your first lines are. This is uh, from your debut thriller, When I Wake Up. We're talking to Jessica Yalry all about her amazing publishing career. That's next. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. You know you're chatting to somebody who um, is a great author when you forget to come back on the air and there are so many great stories. Uh, Jessica Yalvi is with us here in the studio, best-selling author. And uh, her first book is When I Wake Up. And I asked you, Jessica, if you can give us the first few lines. All right. I'll give you the very first line, which I um, had when I submitted to the competition as well. Teacher of the year brutally attacked in school parking lot. So I feel like I (laughs) trying here in the first sentence to basically raise the question is obviously, you know, what happened to this person and the fact that she's teacher of the year. She's obviously a good teacher. Exactly. And the fact that she was attacked at school in the parking lot. So what happened? It's not like, you know, um, uh, uh, like a mafia boss or something attacked brutally in the parking lot. Exactly. That's something you might expect. But teacher of the year is something that's quite unexpected. And then it makes you think, hmm. That's true. I like to work with contrast, actually. I like to have very different characters kind of come together. So tell me Mm. about how you came up with this particular idea for the book and how you researched it how what's your process like for writing uh so i think the process has been a little bit different for both for the for the two different books but um i do a lot of research uh for sure so it a lot of the book is set in a small town library so i would go i went to the small town library where i grew up and i asked a lot of questions and also some of the character traits i would sit down with people uh and ask them really kind of intimate you know very like detailed questions uh, I spoke to the police obviously um, so I talked to as many people as possible uh, that's that's what I do love about being an author is that you can be nosy and you can ask a lot of questions uh, under the guise of being an author and um, I think I you do a lot of research but what you need to be careful of is that you don't use all of your research because oh. it's very easy to get bogged down into it. You do get distracted an awful lot from your writing, doing research. You find all sorts of interesting stuff that doesn't end up in your book. But you do want to make sure sometimes you, you're tempted to include a lot because you want to show the reader that I know what I'm talking about. I've done the research. Um, but you kind of have to stop yourself because you have to only keep things in that are relevant to the story. 
So in my second book, I'm dealing with human trafficking and I read so many accounts of, of women. I focused on the US because I used to live there. I read so many accounts, but at the end of the day, I had to read them all and then put them away and let it kind of, you know, process it and then sit down and write my own story. Because you um, have to... Yeah, it, you know that's the thing because you're trying to create that realism. Yes, but at the same time, there has to be focus. Exactly, bring exactly. it all back in. That's correct. Yeah, and I do like doing research. I, I really enjoy learning about things that I didn't know anything about, uh, or I have an interest in. What are the um, kind of you know the really surprising things while you were doing your research for these books where you just went, oh, I really didn't know that. Well, I'll tell you one of the things was with, with human trafficking. I think we assume it's it's people moving being moved from one country to another and they end up trapped in human trafficking. But I found this really sad stories of, of actually um, girls in the US who may be neglected by their, their family or they just don't get on and they meet the wrong people, they make the wrong decisions, they kind of get lured in because the, a lot of these people, um, you know, human traffickers, they're obviously um, very manipulative and very clever in how they go about their business. And so it's really sad. Um, and I felt I really wanted to shed some light on it. Um, because, you know, the, the statistics that I read were pretty horrific. And so uh, rather than kind of be a, you know, um, campaign for it, I thought it'd be quite good to, to include it in a story that is hopefully entertaining. Uh, and kind of get the message across that way. Exactly, because uh, nobody wants to kind of be spoken at and exactly. kind of be lectured. You, absolutely. Well, you want to be drawn into a story. Yes, absolutely. And you just can't, um, yeah, your, your, your reader is going to be clever at the end of the day. You know, yeah. you don't want to talk down to them. Yeah. And you don't want to give them too much information either because you want to let them work things out for themselves. So talk to us about, um, in terms of getting the book published and, we think, oh, you know, I've written the story, write a few drafts, then it gets edited, and then it's done. Is that how it works? Um, I mean, it's a little bit like that. <laughs> but I think you're so focused in your writing on getting published, you don't really think about what happens after. Right. So, you know, so even after the competition, you don't necessarily have a deal with the agent or with the publisher. What you have is a meeting with the agent uh, where you brainstorm your idea and so on. But he will really only take you on when you finish the manuscript and he believes he can sell it. So, you know, there's that sort of obstacle first that you've got to get over. Uh, so, you know, what you need to do is you celebrate every little achievement. So I always celebrate that, obviously. Uh, and then um, you then go on to the difficult process of, of publishers. And my first book, there's a woman in a coma. And we had the first uh, one or two publishers, I think, came back and said, we've already purchased a book where a woman is in a coma. So we can't take this on. And you think, oh, okay. So it's not just about having a good story or having good writing, but it also has to fit in with their list. Um, and their luckily, shopping list. It's a yeah, shopping list. exactly. It's like, oh, a little sorry. bit like that. Ticked it off. The woman in a coma. <laughs> that can't be yours. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So um, you kind of really have to just keep faith throughout the whole process and kind of visualize the end. And um, uh, I'm a big visualizer, so I'm mm. always trying to picture that it's happened. Um, and um, yeah, so once once that has happened, then you get assigned an editor and they read your work. They'll have comments and you might change things according to that. And then you'll have a, have a copy editor that will perhaps fact check uh, and make sure things make sense. And then you'll have a proofreader. So you do go through it. And by the time the book hits the store, you have read the book yourself so many times that you can barely bear to look at it. <laughs> 
you're just like, I never want to see it again. That's buy the book. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you want to kind of just move on and write something else. Oh, when we uh, come back in just a moment, we are talking to Jessica Yalvi all about uh, how she's gotten her books published and she's working on a completely different book now. We're going to be uh, talking to her about that. But I want to uh, ask you coming up, uh, Jessica, about how being a published author has changed your life. What has it been like going to the festivals, going and talking to your readers and meeting them and their reactions to your book? That's all coming up on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse95. 95. 95. We are talking becoming a published author with Jessica Yalvi. Uh, she's written uh, two books now, When I Wake Up, a breathtaking, heart-pounding and dark debut of a crime novel. And her second book is What Did I Do? Um, so really, really interesting uh, discussion here with you, Jessica. But I want to ask you, you know, you talked about the process of getting published and how difficult that can be and, and making sure that rather than being discouraged by the rejections, you just keep plowing on and, and use them as fuel. Absolutely, you have to. Yeah. Persistence it's, is key. It's key. But then when you get published, what comes after that? You know, because you really have to be promoting your book uh, yes. all the time. Talk to us about that and then meeting your fans who have finally, you know, read your book, the book that you've been working on for so long. Yes. No, um, as I said before, I think you just so focused on getting published that you don't think about what comes after. But um, then you have to promote the book which is lovely in so many ways, uh, but it takes time away from you writing your next book, and especially if you've got a contract for the next one, it can be a bit stressful. Um, but um, but even, I think people assume if you're self-published, you have to do a lot of promotional stuff yourself, but if you have a publisher behind you, you don't. But you still do, because you have to to put genuine content out there. It really needs to come from, from you. So um, you do need to put some efforts into that, uh, and it is kind of expected. But meeting people at festivals and, and, and book signings uh, is incredible. You kind of been sitting there on your own, plowing away, writing in your own little world. And it's just lovely uh, to be out there and, and people are reading your work and they have you know comments and thoughts on it. But also you meet so many aspiring writers and it is really important to me to try and inspire them to to keep going with their dreams because that was me once upon a time i remember you know being at a festival and and one of the key moments for me was meeting margaret atwood and she signed in my book you know good luck with your writing and and lionel shriver the same thing they all gave me advice uh, when they were signing my books and i really appreciated that and it kept me going and i would like to to, to kind of give back and and try and inspire others to keep going. It doesn't have to be that you want to write books, but any dream really that you have, if you keep assisting, it, it does pay off eventually. It really is a key moment, isn't it? When you meet your uh, idols, if you like, the people that you've yes. been following for so long. Um, I saw a great tweet once and I can't remember who it was from. Um, somebody who wrote that being a writer is like telling a joke and then waiting a year or two to find out if it was funny. <laughs> yes, that is very true. It's kind of a slow process. You finish your novel and it takes a while, obviously, before it hits the shelves and you're busy then writing your next one and your kind of mind is engrossed in that. And so tell us about that pressure then. You were talking about the pressure of the second book. Yes. 
when you have, okay, you've put your first book out, mm-hmm. you don't have any precedent. So you're like, whatever I get is going to be fantastic and I'm excited about it. But then the second book comes out and you're like, well, it has to be as good or top it. So Yes, exactly. And and also suddenly you have time pressure. So with the first book, you really have as much time as you need. I did feel some pressure because I had won the competition. I obviously wanted to submit it while he still remembered me. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to wait too long. And it was also very motivating to know somebody would read it. But um, with the second book, there was suddenly a deadline. Um, I happened to be pregnant and I was still working uh, in my marketing job. And it was just a lot going on and trying to carve out time for that while I was then promoting the first book. Uh, it was quite stressful. And um, and I just had to sometimes just go off and sit in a cafe and, and plug music into my ears and just really just focus on getting work done. Uh, but at the same time, it's amazing how much you can accomplish in a short amount of time when you have to. Yeah. I mean, you know, that deadline that focuses the mind yes. uh, just really gets you working, doesn't it? But how do you do that day to day when, you know, it's it can be so easy to kind of go, well, I've just got writer's block today and I can't do it. Or, you know, how do you motivate yourself to write, to get in there and to write your best stuff? So I... I don't necessarily believe in writer's block. I feel like I can't afford to have writer's block. And I feel like sometimes uh, it is it's a form of procrastination. Um, because even if you're a bit stuck, there are always other ways. You can start somewhere else in the story. You can write a dialogue. You can always write something, even if you end up not using it. So I think there's always something that you could put down uh, on paper to keep going. And um, that's that's all you have to do, really, is, is write. I think a lot of writers say that the process is is very painful. I, I listened to, to Jeff Kinney, the um, author of Wimpy Kid, and he said that he doesn't actually really enjoy writing or drawing his stories, but he really likes a sense of accomplishment at the end. And I can absolutely relate to that. Although I do enjoy the writing process, it can be painful yeah. uh, because you're rewriting so much. I cut out 30,000 words from my second novel when I finished it because I just wasn't happy with a lot of parts that I didn't feel added to the story. And that is painful, um, but um, also necessary. The editing is just as important as the actual writing part. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, you do a lot of the editing yourself before you even show it to your editor. How do you become a good editor? I think you read other people's work. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you just read best-selling books. You also need to read books that perhaps you don't think are that great. Uh, and being a writing courses, for example, or being in a writing group, but you read each other's work, you can very easily pick up with somebody else's work what really works, what doesn't work. Mm. Um, and I love being part of communities like that um, because the same thing with me. I get so focused on my own story. It's so clear in my head. But perhaps when I put it on paper, it's not so clear to the reader. So to have an objective reader say to me, actually, I don't really, can't really visualize this uh, or really picture this. And then it's like, you know, okay, that's good to know. And then I can change it. Um, and then so I can, think it is important with feedback. And then you can kind of get inspired by others as well who are maybe writing something completely different. And just, Absolutely. Because it can be so lonely, right? Mm. You know, oh, you yes. are in your own head. Yes. You're writing your story. But actually... Mm kind of getting yourself out into the world and with other maybe experiences that look like they have nothing to do with what you're writing but actually can inspire something else yes absolutely i think so it's it's you know going to the movies or going to an art exhibition or going to the theater everything inspires you listening to other writers um i find inspiring i still go on writing courses somebody said to me why would you do a writing course you publish but you're always evolving you're always learning 
and everybody has a different process you can always pick up something new yeah exactly and um the readers want something new from you as well don't they is there yes. an expectation i felt with the second book there was an expectation to do something perhaps similar and i think that i wanted to perhaps do it a little bit darker and deeper um but yes i think there definitely is an expectation for an author to keep producing similar work i think because the publishers are obviously thinking that you know buyers bought this they bought this book they enjoyed it we want to be able to sell something similar so i think uh, for me i've decided to write something completely different before i go back to writing in this genre and i will because i really do enjoy it but sometimes you need to challenge yourself a little bit as well to develop. We are going to come back in just a moment and talk about what uh, what Jessica is working on now because it is something completely different um, and talk about how do you do that? How do you kind of juggle um, writing with motherhood? And if somebody's an aspiring writer, what would be your advice for them? So much great conversation still to come with the fabulous Jessica Yalvi. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. We're chatting with author Jessica Yalvi all about uh, her writing career. After uh, winning a writing prize, she uh, launched her writing career with When I Wake Up. And what did I do? So uh, first, a crime novel. Uh, and her second is all about human trafficking, uh, a psychological suspense thriller as well. Just uh, amazing stuff. But what you're working on now, Jessica, is completely different. Exactly. So I have four children. I felt I wanted to write something that they could read. And so I'm currently working on an adventure story set in Sweden uh, about Vikings, which I'm really fascinated by. Um, and so I'm only about halfway through uh, and I'm sort of testing it on my kids. <laughs> which that sounds are, so cool. Yeah, well, yeah, no, it, I hope so. I hope so. It's kind of it's completely new for me, but that's also part of, of challenging yourself and trying something. And um, yeah. Doing something different. So you were inspired by the, the, you know, by having kids to kind of go, hmm, let me just see, you know, what this will be like. Is it a completely different process writing a children's book? It is. Yeah. So you have to, obviously, it's not as dark. And um, and also, yeah, just the characters are obviously younger, but you can also have a lot of fun with it because they, the banter between the kids, uh, I'm having a lot of fun with that. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it's a completely new process. For me, but uh, but at the same, it's the same in terms of being disciplined and sitting down and doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, obviously, the uh, the uh, uh, poetic license is a lot bigger with this that you can you know just make up whatever you want. Really? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Although I'm doing a lot of research about the Vikings to kind of try and keep that as authentic as possible. That is really cool. Okay. Mm. So what do we not know about the Vikings that you know we will we might discover in this book of yours? Well, one of the things that I, I recently discovered is that we all think that they had swords and helmets, but apparently that was extremely expensive. Really. And so a sword would cost the same as a whole house and and you know all the animals and so on that belong to the house. So it wasn't actually uh, as common as we think. Um, so I kind of had to make one of my characters have a wooden sword because it just wouldn't be realistic that he has a real sword. Really? So that just is so interesting. Yes, exactly. It, w- w- when they have, you know, movies about Vikings or whatever it is, or Vikings, the actual series. Yes. Everybody's just wearing those helmets and going off with the swords. I know. No, that, exactly. That's very interesting. And so I've actually met this woman um, who, who spends a lot of her time um, as a Viking. And she's so inspiring. And she's really helping me 
with my research and uh, I'm so incredibly grateful for that. When when people help you out along the way with information, it's just such a blessing. Hold, hold up. She spends her time currently as a Viking. So, yes, yeah, so, no, so obviously um, she's, she doesn't spend all of her time. She has a regular job, but she spends a lot of time in, in this Viking village in the south of Sweden wow. where people, especially in the summer, not not the moment because it's too cold, but in the summer months they have this Viking village that they're trying to keep as authentic as possible. And so I'm absolutely going to go there this summer and I can't wait to see her Viking wardrobe, which she has told me is actually bigger than her regular wardrobe. So I'm really, really, really excited about that. That's incredible. Yes. I mean, what kind of traditions and things do they kind of keep up, you know, now in the present day? Viking well, traditions. That's what I'm hoping to find out wow. when I go. I, well, you got to tell yes. us when you come back. I will come back and so, tell you. Uh, you know, something that we talked about is, you know, when you meet your fans and something that you're doing as part of, you know, the, the festival circuit is is school tours. And we're so excited you've come to Sharjah for yes, a school visit. That's right. I was here last week. Yes. And I think that's also what's inspiring me to write something for children because... That is such a pleasure to meet young readers. And uh, obviously, not all kids love to read. But I'm hoping that um, after having met an author and we, we talked about character development and, and dialogue and using dialogue to kind of get a story to come alive. And everybody in the room uh, created a character uh, and started to think about the traits that the character had, the strengths, the weaknesses, how they would speak, and then their characters would, would have a dialogue with each other. And it was just some amazing work, and I find it so incredibly inspiring uh, that I would love to to do a children's book so that I can do more school visits and, and talk about writing uh, even more authentically, having having written for that age group. Do you read out loud to your kids? Uh, I do, especially with the younger ones. I do. <laughs> no, yeah, I just absolutely. remember that. You know, and when they love a story, they yes. want you to read it over and over. I know and over that again. is the only thing you get a bit bored because <laughs> you're reading the same story over and over again, and you know it by heart. But you can see, you can see the difference it makes in them. Oh, absolutely, and it's and it's even more fun when they're a little bit older, and you can read chapter books, and you can perhaps do one chapter every night. Your your eldest, Julia. Um, you know, she's quite a supporter of yours. Shout out to Julia. Yes, no, she is. She's my biggest fan and my biggest critic. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Which so is a great combination. Do your kids look at you and think, wow, I, you know, look at mom. She's a published author. I'd love to do that. Have, have you inspired something in them as well? Uh, yes, absolutely. So they can't read my books yet because I don't think they're old enough. But um, absolutely. And I think that's why I want to write something for them. But funnily enough, I'll tell you a story. So my, my daughter, who's 15, she loves to read. She loves to write. She's always writing stories. But my 12-year-old son, we really struggle to get him to read. You know, he loves his iPad. He loves his computer. And uh, I felt he was becoming increasingly obsessed with it. And so we took it away for three months. So we yeah. took the iPad away for three months. He was upset with us for about half a day. And after that, he didn't even ask for it. And he started reading. So he has read, I think, 20 books at least wow. in that time. And now we cannot get him to stop reading. We bought him a Kindle for Christmas and he is constantly reading. What does he love to read? Anything. So it could be about magic. It could be fantasy. It could be adventure. Like literally anything. And and we I would take him into a bookshop before and I'd say, just pick one book that you're even vaguely interested in, please. And he would say, no, I can't find anything. You'd practically have to beg so, him to buy a book. I know, but he was so bored not having his iPad that he... And the funny thing is, now three months later, he forgot the password to his iPad. So he locked himself out. <laughs> so we're probably going to have to reset it. But we haven't still because he is actually just not asking for it. And he is just loving 
reading. It's incredible. Is that? Do you think that's what we need right now? We need to get kids bored again so that they'll come yes. back to reading? Actually, you know what? I think a lot of people gave us a hard time saying, you know, electronically, you know, ele- electronics and, and, you know, uh, it's it's the future. You know, you can't take it away from them. Of course, he uses computer for schoolwork, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but we're taking all the games off. And, um, but you know what? So I think sometimes you need a break because I, th- I think what we, what we struggle with sometimes is helping our kids to handle it responsibly. Mm. You know, it's one thing to give them an iPad, but how do you, you have to set limits. You know, you wouldn't just give them anything and say, I wouldn't give them the keys to my car and say, you know, learn how to drive on right. your own. Right. Um, so, you know, you have to kind of be involved in that process and teach them because it's new to us as parents because we didn't grow up with it. Um, so, yes, perhaps it was harsh, but it's definitely paid off. And he's just so much more pleasant <laughs> to hang out with as well. That's just brilliant. And obviously that just expands your mind endlessly. It does, absolutely. More than we can talk about. Yes. But just in the last couple of minutes that we have, Jessica, your advice to aspiring writers. Yes. So I would just say to write. Uh, just write as much as possible. Whatever it is, just write, write, write. Carry a notebook and, and write. And then when you feel comfortable with it, you start sharing your work because that is really uh, it was a very important step for me was showing my work to other people to get feedback. It's super scary the first time. But once you've done it once, then it doesn't even face you anymore. So uh, get feedback from others, join writing groups, do writing courses, um, just get out there and, and listen to authors, read as many books as you can. And, and then start pitching your work. Because if you don't pitch your work, then uh, nobody's going to take it on. Don't keep it in a drawer. What makes for a really great story? I think you do have to have a good beginning. You do have to bring the reader in. There are so many books in bookshops and there is competition in that sense. Uh, but um, yeah, so you need to have a good, good opening. Um, and having lots of good cliffhangers always keeps the reader turning the page. Um, but I don't necessarily think that you have to have a super original story. Um, I think it's it's your take on a story, really, because I could we could both sit down and write a book. We're given the same plot. We would write two completely different books. So I think, um, yeah, don't don't try and be too clever necessarily. Uh, just sit down and, and follow your heart. What is a story that you absolutely want to tell people? What do you have to say? And go with that. Really great advice. The fantastic Jessica Yelvey. We're so excited to see what's to come from you. Hopefully we'll see you at the Sharjah Book Fair as well. I'd love to be there. That would be fantastic. Thank you so much. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.